Welcome to Orphan Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and with me is the woman who probably really wishes I'd given her more than a day's notice that I wanted to change things up. (laughs) (laughs) It's Lydia. Hey! (laughs) Well, hi, Christopher! (laughs) Hi! I will explain in more detail uh, later on uh, exactly what that means. But before I do that, I want to first thank everyone for tuning in. And secondly, to let anyone know uh, who may not already know that they can listen and subscribe to this show with Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, uh, over on podchaser.com or whatever podcast app you choose. Wherever you listen, if you have the option to do so, please rate and review the show. Please come and join our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com and search for Orphaned Entertainment. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search for Orphaned Entertainment. And there you can watch many of the films we've covered here on the podcast. If you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. You can find all these links over on our webpage at orphanedentertainment.com. Oh, I want to remind folks that we are looking for an original script for a five-minute mystery for Lydia and I to produce. So get your creative caps on and send us something. For a little inspiration, let's listen to one of the original five-minute mysteries, and along with a promo for another fine podcast. And when we return, I'll explain how things are going to be a little different this episode as we discuss 1953's Beat the Devil. Another five-minute mystery. Sometimes, Jed, I wish I'd never taken this job as sheriff. I know what you mean. Take today, Memorial Day. Everybody else is sitting around their house taking things easy like. Or else out boating or having a picnic. That's right, enjoying themselves. But us, we're sitting around a stuffy old office. Yep, waiting for something to happen, like vultures. I could think of a lot pleasanter things I'd rather be... I'll get it. Probably my wife. Green County Sheriff's Office. Who? Tom Edson's farm. Shot? Tom Edson shot by your wife? We'll be right out. As you can see, Sheriff, my wife Edith is hysterical. She's in no condition to answer questions. I didn't kill Dad. I didn't. I didn't. You know I didn't, Ronald. Jed. Yep, Sheriff. As soon as you finish that sketch and notes on the position of the body, you better call Doc Ferris. That's a good idea. Edith should be placed under a doctor's care immediately. She's been building up to this collapse for some time. You must believe me. I didn't kill Dad. I wasn't even in the house. You weren't in the house? No. I was in the stables talking to the horses when I I heard the shots and ran back to the house. Edith, darling, you know you were in the room kneeling by your father when I came into the house, weren't you? Yes, Ronald. And you had the gun in your hand, didn't you? Yes. Yes, Ronald, but I I didn't kill Dad. You see, Sheriff? Ah, looks bad. Tom Edson never approved of Edith's marriage to me, Sheriff, and 
Because of that, Edith and I had never been in here during the ten years we've been married. This is our first visit. I've called the doc, Sheriff. He'll be right out. Good. Oh, uh, another thing, Sheriff. I noticed the automatic, the murder weapon, had a peculiar odor about it. Did? Yep. Smells something like powder or perfume. Mm. It's Edith's gun. He carried it in her purse. You know how things in a woman's purse always smells like their face powder? Yeah. Edith and her father had been arguing all morning. Then when I heard the postman blow his whistle... Uh, you know how he blows a little whistle on these country routes when he leaves mail? Well, it was a relief to get out of the house. After I walked all the way out that long lane to the mailbox, there wasn't anything there but a couple of bills... While I was walking back, I heard shots of... Ronald, how can you stand there and so calmly convict your own wife? Sheriff, I didn't kill my father. I know you didn't need it. Now I know that Ronald is the murderer. On what clues does the sheriff place his accusation that Ronald is the murderer? Do you know? We'll be back in one minute with the solution. In the meantime... Hey, did you know that in the original Bloody Mary ritual, you had to walk backwards up a flight of stairs? Oh, really? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, and the purpose was to catch a glimpse of your future husband's face. Really? I wish I could find my future husband that easily. Honestly, all I really want to do now is drink a Bloody Mary. Well, how about we go make some Bloody Marys while you tell me more fun facts about Bloody Mary? Join us every week at Booze and Spirits. Where we make our favorite drinks and tell each other our favorite paranormal stories. Find us under Booze and Spirits on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and Podbean. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Booze and Spirits. And now, back to our mystery. Ronald, maybe mail doesn't mean much to you big city folks. You maybe don't pay much attention to its delivery. But we farmers appreciate our mail and know all about deliveries. You couldn't have heard the mailman's whistle and gone out for the mail, Ronald, because today is Memorial Day, a national holiday, and mail isn't delivered on national holidays. However, holiday or not, I'm going to deliver you to the county jail immediately. Welcome back. Yes, we are going to change things up a little bit on this one. Uh, we are not going to do a scene-by-scene synopsis as we've done for eight-plus years. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> it has been a long time, yeah. Uh, I was talking with Lydia and explained it a little bit before we started recording. You know, out of everything that I do for the show, um, it, all the editing and everything and, and maintaining the website and everything... All that I have absolutely no issue with at all. It's just the one thing that is really the chore is doing that scene by scene synopsis. We need to just and... pull the script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, this month has just been just kind of. I've had a lot on my plate this month. And so my um, energy levels have been at a little bit of a of an ebb and flow, <laughs> you know, and so trying to get the motivation to do that synopsis this month was it just wasn't there. And so I had the idea to try doing this a little bit more of an open conversation um, instead of the you know plot by plot thing, and still being able to uh, touch on a lot of the same stuff that we would normally talk about, just in a more it'll actually be almost I think 
could actually end up being a little bit more focused in a way. I don't know. I think it'll be just as focused as it was. And I, I think it'll work out all right. We'll we'll see how it goes. And hopefully we'll, we'll try this. I'm not expecting gold on the first try. <laughs> uh, so we may try it for a, for a few months and see how it goes. And if it really just doesn't gel... Then we'll get back. We'll maybe either try something else, or I'll get back to doing the uh, scene by scene. You grow or you die, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I definitely felt like it, this was this was the time that we needed to maybe make some changes. It's it's I, the formats worked. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's just it's it is a little bit of an effort, and I, I love watching the film, and I don't like necessarily watching the film again and having to do the. <laughs> Pause, right, 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 play. Pause, right, 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 play. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I ever considered how much longer it must take you to watch it the second time than it takes me to watch it the second time. I'm like, just watch, watch it along, make a little note here, make a little note there. But yeah, mm-hmm. the synopsis mm-hmm. bit of it, you definitely have been doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and so that, I mean, that's going to change how I do that i may actually have to sit down and do like you were saying where you just watch it maybe jot a little something down if something pops up that you really like or really don't like or it stands out that you know you make some notes of it um i think that that might be what i'm gonna have to do from from now on now on this one um i came up with this idea of doing it after i've already watched the film and i didn't get an opportunity to go back and re-watch the film and do anything like that so so yeah, like I was saying, I'm not expecting gold on this first time out. Uh, my my thoughts and everything may be may may feel a little scattershot or whatever. Hopefully, uh, after I edit it all together, no one will know. <laughs> what are you talking about? Everything we do is always perfect and seamless. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's amazing effortless. how we get that, isn't it? it is. uh, so anyway, so thank you everyone for bearing with us while we while we give this a shot and you know uh, let us know what you think if 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 this is something that you prefer or did you prefer the scene by scene uh i'm you know this might actually encourage you to actually go watch the movie <laughs> instead of me telling you three quarters what of happened? the film <laughs> I, I wonder how many of our listeners just like tune into the last 20 minutes of a movie I- <laughs> just to find out what happened i hope people go through and as they listen to us talking about it they like are like watching it really critically and and going oh they're totally wrong about this or oh they're totally right i wouldn't have noticed that otherwise but uh, i see what they're saying about that yeah yeah (laughs) all right well let's go ahead and get into this film a little bit beat the devil was directed by john houston and it stars humphrey bogart jennifer jones gina lola brigida and features Robert Morley, Peter Lorre, and Edward Underdown. Honestly, the Edward Underdown, I think, would actually be part of the starring as, mm-hmm. as he's one of the four kind of titular characters. Houston and Truman Capote wrote the screenplay, loosely based upon a novel of the same name by British journalist Claude Cockburn. Uh, Houston made the film as a sort of loose parody of the Maltese Falcon, mm-hmm. which Houston directed in which Bogart and Lorre appeared. I read that. Now, I've watched the Maltese Falcon, albeit years ago. I'm not sure I see that. I've read that in multiple places, that this was like a parody of that film. And it's like, I don't really see it. I would not call this a parody, but I have a... I have a paragraph written about that. <laughs> okay. 
I and I I noticed that there seems to be some disagreement about how to class this movie, whether it's a suspense mm-hmm. or I even saw one place had billed it as a horror. I, I it's not really? horror at all. No. I saw adventure comedy yes. and I didn't really think that fit either. Cause I'm no. like, there's not much in the way of adventure. <laughs> I think just comedy, listen, maybe a dramedy. May, dramedy uh, is actually a good word for it. I didn't think yeah. of that one. It's a light drama, a light you know? drama, <laughs> yeah. a light lunch. Yeah. This is, this is the cottage cheese of movies. That's what it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it has a few lumps. Yeah. Um, a few lumps, but it's, yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, John, John Houston didn't direct a whole lot, but he did direct the Maltese Falcon. And yeah, so, oh, he direct. Yeah, John Huston didn't direct a lot, but he directed like everything he did direct is like kind of one of those well films known. that people yeah hold the up African as like. The African Queen is the other one. Oh he's yeah, like it, he is like Humphrey Bogart's. Um, oh no, I've lost the name. Oh. Ooh, ooh, Johnny Johnny Depp is two as Humphrey Bogart is to John Houston. <laughs> What's his name? Dang it! Oh, Tim now you made me Burton. Tim Burton. He's like, thank you. He's like John Houston, and it's almost like Humphrey Bogart's Tim Burton. If Tim Burton were Johnny Depp, so it's okay. the movies he comes up with. Like he uses, he keeps using Humphrey Bogart, and some of them turn out really well. And then this one just kind of, I guess, is his Alice in Wonderland or something like that. Right. <laughs> to, to take that analogy a little too far, <laughs> you're kind of <sighs> looking at it going, what am I looking at? What, 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 what? Uh, but not quite that bad. Yeah. Well, my point about it, where they were talking about it being like a, a, a spoof or a parody of, um, I mean, even um, Truman, Truman Capote was quoted saying that it, uh, John and I decided to kid the story, to treat it as a parody. Instead of another Maltese Falcon, we turned it into a spoof of this type of film. And now, what I remember from the Maltese Falcon is a bunch of people, everybody looking for the Maltese Falcon, which was a, a, this statue, and everybody thinking the other people had it. So, I mean, I'm going to That's the plot that I remember. The, there is actually a parody of the Maltese Falcon, and it is called The Cheap Detective. And it's got right, Peter sure. Falk in it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and that is a true parody of the Maltese Falcon, and it's hilarious. This is obviously years and years before that movie was made, but there's not much comedy in it. Uh, it it's There's comedic <sighs> moments, but not an outright... There's like... There's not a joke writer on set or anything. Exactly. Yeah, this is no Abbott and Costello. Um, so I, I, I kind of, I gotta find my little bit there. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was thinking about it, so I, I was super puzzled because I was trying to understand. Hold on, I gotta find. Sorry, I now I get to dig through my notes and figure out. Here you go. Yeah, I know. I, I need to. <laughs> I'm actually. I actually realized as I was kind of doing this, this, this description, I was like, well, this is actually kind of. We're jumping into, I, I was wanting to focus kind of like, I wanted to talk about the plot and the story. I wanted to talk about cast and characters. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about direction and production. And I realized that even halfway through reading this, I'm like, well, I kind of jumped ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, 
let's back off a little bit on yeah, this. Yeah, we'll, that's okay. We we uh, do still need some structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I will actually try to like hone this structure a little bit too. And I'll I'll make some notes and send them to you and let, let you get some feedback from you and and everything too. Yeah, I need to pull up your list because you did send me that short list of kind of what order we we're going to go in, and I did get a little sidetracked. Yeah, well, I think like I said, it's going to be you know like plot and story, Ooh. cast and characters. Direction Sorry. and production yeah. is, I think, is how I broke it down. Let's see. Casting characters, direction, and production. You don't have story listed on here. Oh, I don't? No. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, who cares plot, what happens? Let's just talk plot, about the people. story, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I guess this is just as good a time as any to try to decide, you know, where do, do we want to talk? I should... I think I, I, a simple rundown of what the plot is, I guess. Mm-hmm. A, a kind brief of a explanation. Yeah. A general description, yeah. What's happening? What's going on here? The oil pumps on the bling. The electricity's failed. What a folly. A ship lying in darkness this way. We might well be rammed at any minute. The sailing of the SS Nyanga has been postponed. Now, look here. This boat is definitely scheduled to sail at 2400 hours. The Pelagon is the captain drunk. Oh, of course, the captain is drunk. Utter hopeless inefficiency. <laughs> oh, my name is Chell. This is my wife. How do you do? My name's Dan Rowe. How do you do? Billy, did you see this? See what? That man in London has been killed. Rub a dub dub. Three men in a tub. When our little party doesn't show up on the date you said, your friend might use this as an excuse. If my friend were looking for an excuse, you'd find a better one in the morning papers. The business of one of these businessmen is murder. He killed a lot of people, didn't he? Ah, but he had a better style. I don't generally go sightseeing with strange men. You don't believe that, do you? Well, I believe anything you say. Ever since I met you, you feel my thinking. You are becoming an obsession. Billy loves me very, very much. That's why I trust him with his little and important amours. Time, time. What is time? Swiss manufactured, French hoarded, Italian squandered, Americans say it is money, Hindus say it does not exist. You know what I say? I say time is a crook. Tea for two and two for tea. <laughs> we are at sea again, gentlemen, in more ways than one. It has to do with sin. Tell me more about Rita Hayward. You really know her very well. Do I know Rita? <laughs> do I know her? Uh, I'm actually going to write for this one right here. I'm actually going to glean just like the first paragraph that was written on uh, Wikipedia because that seems to kind of sum most of it up pretty well. Okay. And you can add in a couple stuff, like a couple things in here as well. Billy Dan Ruther is a, according, a formerly wealthy American, maybe, who has fallen on hard times. Uh, maybe formerly wealthy, maybe American. Yeah. I don't know how to put it. He's definitely supposed to be American. Yeah, Whether there's... or not he was formerly wealthy, uh, you know, this guy is up in the air. Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's an American? Billy. He's definitely Billy. <laughs> Uh, he has apparently fallen on harder times. He is reluctantly working with four crooks: Peterson, uh, O'Hara, Major Ross, and Ravello, and they're all trying to acquire uranium-rich land in British East Africa. Billy suspects that Major Ross murdered a British colonial officer who threatened to expose their plan. 
While waiting in Italy for passage to Africa, Billy and his wife Maria meet a British couple, Harry and Gwendolyn Kem. Kelm. Chelm. Chelm? Chelm. Is that how they said it in the name? Mm-hmm. In, the, in the film? Chelm? All right. They all plan to travel on the same ship. Harry seems very proper and a traditional Englishman, while Gwendolyn is flighty and a compulsive fantasist. Billy and Gwendolyn have an affair, while Maria flirts with Harry. Peterson becomes suspicious that the Chelms may be attempting to acquire the uranium themselves. Though this is untrue, it seems confirmed by Gwendolyn, who lies about her husband and exaggerates his importance. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that kind of... That's it in a nutshell. And from there, we can kind of go about some of the story and how it's portrayed. So, yes, Billy here sets himself off as someone who used to be very wealthy or something, or isn't very, or was famous or important. Mm-hmm. He claims to have well to once once owned a, a villa just outside of this village. Uh, who claims to know this uh, restaurateur? You know, on uh, on the next village over, and Bottom everyone. Bottom the restaurant, yeah. Yeah. But you kind of get the feeling, the way they kind of portray it in the film is, it puts all of that in question, whether he's, whether that's true, or if he's just another con man. And throughout this whole movie, you are never really sure anybody is who they say they are. The Mm -hmm. way that it's directed and the way that it's written, if if it were stated matter-of-factly, then you wouldn't question it. But the, the direction, I think maybe where the parody angle comes into play in this is instead of playing the characters straight like they are who they say they are they slant every person so that you don't know if anybody's ever telling the truth right yeah the the moments when uh, billy they're like riding in the car and oh look at that villa i wonder who owns it well i used to yeah it, it all comes across <laughs> as kind of like uh-huh right. yeah it even you know mr chelm who is going yeah i don't believe this guy this isn't true and the restaurant the guy who owns the restaurant comes out and is like oh billy so good to see you but i the whole time i kept thinking oh he's gone back there and told the restaurant owner hey yeah. play this off but then you never get the follow-up so apparently mm-hmm. the restaurant owner does know him right yeah you don't get any yeah billy goes into the back room looking for the owner because it looks like the restaurant's closed and you don't he could just easily while he's in that back room be handing the guy a hundred dollar bill exactly but then it it doesn't happen so no yeah you don't get yeah you don't get any payoff on that so so yeah i guess we are led to assume that he is telling the truth that he was this guy that used to own this villa and used to go to this restaurant and had all these wonderful things and knew these famous actresses <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but um yeah <laughs> this and this is it's a weird part for bogart to play because in this movie it, like this this character billy he is a completely normal american married man and nobody ever hires Humphrey Bogart to be a normal American married man. So it's confusing from the beginning. It's almost like they cast him specifically so that you'd always be thinking he's got something else going on. Yeah, exactly. That's a, a good point. Especially, I mean, and or how much of that is the fact that we are looking at Humphrey Bogart. We know him from, you know, the, the African, African Queen. Queen. We yeah. know him from Casablanca. We know him from the uh, the Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um so 
we expect those kind of characters out of them. So maybe we're looking at it from different eyes than what he would have been looking at in 1953. Is this a case of casting Daniel Craig as a Southern gentleman where you look at him and go, no, that my brain won't accept this because it's Daniel Craig in the same way. In the same way, are we looking at this going, I can't accept this because Humphrey Bogart isn't just a normal American guy. Right. He never is in any of his movies. So why would they cast him in this part? That's true because most of I'm thinking. Let's see. Um, wanted to see real quick here. Um, yeah, African Queen is 51. These are all before. Those are all before this movie. Yeah, Casablanca was 43. So mm-hmm. that was you know a decade before this. Mm-hmm. The Big Sleep, um, Dark Passage, Key Largo, which I thought of when looking at the um, the four con men in this. All of those movies that he was in. He oh, what about have to? Because I just realized he passed away in 57. So he's only around for a few more years after yeah. this film. Yeah. But he always is that really sharp guy that's got something going on on the side. And then in this in this movie, he's just a married guy. And I think that's probably where the, oh, he's he's playing them. I think that's where that comes from you while you're watching it because it. Yeah. exactly because you're thinking oh no he's always he's got something behind you know he knows what he's doing he's 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 playing them for some reason he's playing the crooks he's playing mm-hmm. the English couple it's all it's all and yeah no nothing and the whole time you keep waiting for it but it never happens but right. so so it's interesting this movie of the main characters there are essentially eight and two of them are women and the two women are about as different as two people could be oh absolutely. Yeah, so, let's go ahead and jump to let's, let's jump let's to talk about Gina. The women. <laughs> let's talk about the women. Let's talk about Gina Lola Brigida, who who plays uh, Billy's wife, um, Maria. Maria. I have to admit, Gina Lola Brigida is like one of those names that you know, but I knew nothing about her. And I know I've never seen her in anything before. I thought you were so going to say. The, G, I thought you were going to say Gina Lola Brigida is. A darn nice looking woman. That's what I expected you to say. <laughs> well, she is. I, she's phenomenally pretty. <laughs> oh, she's incredible. She's actually one of those things where you're looking at her and they pair her with Humphrey Bogart. And you're looking at these <laughs> these two. They're supposed to be a couple. And you're thinking, wow, this you're above your station, sir. Yeah. Yeah. You're thinking this is a setup. They are they are conning people. There's no way they're really married, but they are. They are right. married, and they bicker a little bit, and they have a totally normal marriage, and it messes with... You're going, This is, there's something fake here. This isn't... Yes. Right. Well, even even one of the other characters assumes that there's no love between them, mm-hmm. between her and Billy. And it's like, well, yeah, it isn't, aren't, isn't that right? Right. <laughs> well, now, and if, as he says, he did used to be wealthy, he did used to own this villa and have all this money and buy somebody a restaurant and give them this, you know, famous bullfighter's car, then it makes sense to have this phenomenally beautiful wife. And it makes sense for their marriage to be a little bit sour and for her to always be talking about finding somebody that she can have passionate, you know, a really passionate love with. And in that sense, it all adds up. Mm-hmm. But you, it still is kind of not right. You keep waiting for the punchline. <laughs> uh, and I honestly wonder, well, especially because she makes it pretty obvious. I mean, she claims that she loves Billy, but she is definitely flirting 
with uh, <laughs> she's definitely Ch- flirting with Chelm. Chelm. Yeah. Well, and yeah. so when he, he there's a part pretty early on where he wants to stay at home because he doesn't feel good. He's got what a fevered liver or something. Or he's got, liver. Yes, he's a chill, a chill on his liver. <laughs> and uh, and so he you know asks Billy, oh, will you take my wife out? She likes sightseeing. And then Maria shows up with some tea, and you're going. Okay, now she's here to con him. Okay, this is this is where it's going to start getting interesting. Marie's shown up. Billy's off conning the wife. Maria's here to con the husband, but she just serves him tea. That's it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no conning happens, and you again. You're like, is there another scene coming up? Did I miss something? Nope. They have tea. It's all done in a way where she seems very much like she's trying to ingratiate she's herself. She's wearing that her. dress. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she that. doesn't come in in like a dowdy little housewife dress. She comes in in a dress. Mm-hmm. So not not an evening gown, but it definitely shows off all of her positive attributes. Well, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure there's much you could do to hide some of you know, <laughs> Some of her, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she definitely is showing them off to her advantage. So, yeah, oh, yeah. definitely right away you know she's there with the intention of getting this stuffy British guy interested in her. Mm-hmm. But again, that you would think that would lead to some kind of a con, but it doesn't. She, yeah, I don't know if maybe she was looking for just an out in case this whole scheme doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, she can maybe, well, maybe he's more important and maybe he's got money again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can I can dump this loser. <laughs> she, yeah, she really does seem to be like not strictly a gold digger, but definitely looking out for her own interests. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, Billy. But. <laughs> and, and then you have Gwen. Yes. <laughs> Who's like almost the opposite. You, you, she walks in and she seems to have everything. She's got the stuffy husband. They seem to have a lot of money. And she is just immediately looking at Humphrey Bogart going, oh, here's a man who means trouble and I am looking for trouble. Yeah. She was an interesting one. And she's a, uh, oh, I don't know how to describe her. She's like she's, Bonnie. What's of, that? She's like Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde. She's looking for an adventure, and whatever form it comes in, she's going to jump on that boat. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking that the way she, uh, the way she acts, it's very much it's like it, she's one of those, you know, darlings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, yeah, there's there's a lot of. I, I was very confused by her character. Um, she m- many times makes comments about him being American, so obviously she's meant to be British. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the British accent from her. So no, absolutely not. I was just I was being just told she's she's British. She's English. Just 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 trust yeah, me. Roll she's. with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, uh, I, we should mention this was the uh, Jennifer Jones played. Yes. The, uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful girl. Beautiful, um, beautiful woman. Not again. Not anyone that I was familiar with. I don't know if I've seen anything else uh, with her in it. She's um, typically a brunette. This the blonde look is a very uncommon one. For oh, her. interesting, interesting. So you would probably recognize her in other movies that she was in, but again, not a person. Yeah, she's she's not. You know, Lana Turner. You're not going to recognize her that way. Right. Is look, the looks like a leading lady. She worked. Eh, fairly regularly, but every couple of years she would do mm-hmm. a film. She was not a, a prolific actress, from what I can tell. Um, her final role was in The Towering Inferno. 
1974. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. She played Madame Bovary. But, yeah, uh, she, she was, was nominated a, for several Academy Awards and actually won for Best Actress in Song of Bernadette. Uh, she was in A Farewell to Arms, a movie we all have heard of, but none of us have seen. But, <laughs> <laughs> so she, you know, she is a familiar name and a familiar face, but this is an interesting type of character. She seems almost neurotic, but she's like a happy neurotic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and I think she's just like a bored British housewife. Yeah, I found it interesting the way she she comes on to Billy, and it's it's very matter of fact. She doesn't flirt. You know, I, I've seen Americans on the street, and in the cinema, of course, but I, I've never talked to one before. Are you a typical American? I think it's important that I should know. Why important? There are two good reasons for falling in love. One is that the object of your affections is unlike anyone else. A rare spirit, such as Lord Byron. The other is that he's, like everybody else, only superior. Harry, for instance, is the very best of a type. Well, if you must know, I'm a typical rare spirit. How long did you live here? Oh, the longest I've ever lived anywhere is two years. But when you were a child, didn't you ever have a mother and a father? In a house, in a street, in a town? No, I, uh, I was an orphan until I was 20, and then a rich and beautiful lady adopted me. You know, I've changed my mind about your being an evil doctor. You're off to keep a rendezvous someplace in Africa sacred to the tribesmen. You're going to found a new empire and make yourself master of the riches of the world. But you need a beautiful blonde queen to impress the natives as, uh, as the incarnation of the Queen of Sheba. That's why you're making a pass at me. Am I? Of course. I don't generally go sightseeing with strange men. You don't believe that, do you? Well, I believe anything you say. Do you? (laughs) Well, you shouldn't, you know. You really shouldn't. It's not like a flirt. She just pretty much goes, well, when we start having an affair, when we start, you know, when, when you finally kiss me or when we have, you know, like, um, Let's okay. run away together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I don't know if that's meant to be like a spoofing part of it where she's supposed to be the femme fatale, but she has no mystery. But it's, again, it's confusing because you sort of think she's this super innocent, you know, pretty blonde woman, but then she sits down with, uh, with one of the con men. I have to find it. She sits down with Peterson, and we hear her blatantly lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you know she's lying because you've already heard other conversations between her and Billy and her husband. And, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, okay, no, no. So she's the one conning everybody. Right. But that's I, not I think she is, and you said it, I think she is, she's looking for adventure. And mm. if it's not there to be had she's going to do her best to create it yes yeah but uh yeah and the way like i said the the way she does it is just simply oh we're gonna have an affair oh (laughs) it's almost like for for anyone normal this would be like the girl you go on the first date and then she would be like hmm what would i name sound like with your last name well excuse me (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I just asked if you want to split the check. I you know, just uh, <laughs> met you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, except that... I wonder what our kids would look like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what do you want to name our first kid if it's a boy? Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about check, please? But that is exactly <laughs> what... That is exactly how she comes across mm-hmm. when she's talking to Billy. When they mm-hmm. go off to the villa, I mean, there's this weird sort of almost wife swapping. <laughs> and he seems okay with it. But the funny part they to both me is, do. He, but he doesn't. He's not just like, "Wow, you're the girl of my dreams." He's just kind of like, eh, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, "Wait, wait. <sighs> you're a young, beautiful blonde." Who just said that we're gonna have we're gonna sleep together? Sure, why all not? right. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, Maria mentions, "Oh, I don't mind his dalliances because I know they're not that you know important." And she's getting a little dig in at Gwen, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's that ring of truth to it where she kind of doesn't care if he fools around as long as she gets what she not not just she gets what she wants in the end, but as long as they're okay in the end. Yeah, I think that would have been fun or not fun, but would have been interesting had this film taken itself a little bit more seriously. If maybe that was her, her thoughts or her, her, um, her attitude while he was successful. Yes. But now suddenly that it's really just a matter of they have each other and not much else Mm -hmm. that it would like, okay, now it bothers me. Yeah. You know, that would have been an interesting little bit of story. But this isn't the film for that. No, it's not. And it is interesting. There's, you know, definitely as, as things go on, and at one point, it seems that Billy has uh, has met with an untimely end. We, of course, know already that that's not the case. But when you know th- these two women find out, you know, one's husband has died and the other one's lover has died, and the one who's truly upset about it is Gwen is mm-hmm. the blonde British housewife who you can't really see is taking anything seriously. And here's Maria that's just kind of like, oh, he's sad. Will somebody get me an aspirin? I've got a headache. Or, you know, <laughs> he's, he's dead. Can somebody please bring me a glass of wine? You know? And here's, uh, here's Gwen, you know, in tears, sobbing, having a full-blown Audrey Hepburn moment. <laughs> and it, it's... It's interesting. It gives all of a sudden it gives a little bit more ring of truth to Gwen's situation. Maria has a headache. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Go away. My dear girl, I'm as sorry about Dan Rather as you are. But after all, it isn't as if he was one of our oldest friends. I was in love with him. He was a very pleasant acquaintance. What did you say? Really, darling, have you no control over your romantic fantasies? I love it. Can't you hear me? I love you, I love you! Oh, rot. You're just dramatizing again. Oh, what shall I do? I feel so I were drowning. He's dead. He's dead and I'm left with a fool like you. I tell you what to do. Have a bit of shut-eye. You wake up in an hour feeling your old self again, and there'll be no more silly stories about falling for a middle-aged roustabout. <laughs> so. Oh, please go away. I'll just take these to Maria. But you still can't take her very seriously because she's still super flighty. Right, and while well, even uh, her own husband considers it just flighty, but I loved him. <laughs> oh, nonsense. Here, you know, have this drink. 
Get some I, sleep. I read that as British feel, stoicism. I just yes. read that straight up as he's English. Of course, that's just, his response. Yeah. Is it just <laughs> denial or is it just, oh, you're just being silly. What a silly woman. Especially uh. English aristocracy. In this era, that's how you would expect them to react. And so I just read it as, oh, he's just being himself. So then you have, I think we've talked about the, the spouses. Then you have these mm-hmm. four crooks. Yes. Uh, led by Robert Morley, who was, uh, what was his name again? Uh, Peterson. Richardson. Peterson. A fun actor. He's kind of one of those guys that when he's in, he's in films, I, and I'm sure I've seen, this is the guy that I think, you know what, I've seen him in something oh, before. Oh, in so many things. <laughs> uh, yes, he does have a huge filmography. He's all over the place. Yeah, go, uh, dating back to like 19, the mid-30s, and he acted well up until the 80s. Mm-hmm. My goodness. 1989 was his final film role mm-hmm. in a film called Istanbul. So, yeah, the man worked. <laughs> so yes. I'm pretty sure I've seen this guy. Oh, my gosh, he was in The Great Muppet Caper as a British gentleman. <laughs> he was in The African Queen. I mean, you can go up through it. He's in dozens of movies that you've seen, always in these kind of bit side parts where he's a little bit evil, probably. <laughs> right, but he's he's got that fantastic. He he does that fantastic sort of polite evil. Yeah, I love I love when the villains are polite and That's cordial. What he is. He's yes, swarmy. swarmy. <laughs> I, I was going to say polite and cordial, but mm-hmm. maybe swarmy since he's the villain might be better. He's a bit swarmy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the guy that he's very polite, but you also know he's very insincere. Come in, Billy boy. What's all the fuss about? No fuss, Billy. We're merely wondering what course to pursue in view of this unfortunate delay. Join the peasants in their revels. Go to church. Write your memoirs. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> I like an associate of mine to have a sense of humor. Good laugh does more for the stomach muscles than five minutes setting up exercises. <laughs> and now that we've had our moment of fun, and all the better for it, let's get back to the question. Doesn't this delay call for a cable to your friend in British East? Mustn't send cables. Can't you get it through your heads that the population down there has trained noses? They can smell a uranium deal like a cat smells fish. But aren't you afraid, Billy, that when our little party doesn't show up on the date you said, aren't you a teeny bit afraid that your friend might use that as an excuse to begin negotiations elsewhere? If my friend were looking for an excuse, you'd find a better one in the morning papers. What do you mean? I'm talking about the untimely demise of Paul Van Meer. Well, I'm appalled, Billy. What an unwholesome opinion you must have of your colleagues to imagine that we... Look here, Peterson, you don't have to convince me of anything. You don't care what I think as long as I don't do anything about it. And I won't, unless you ever decide to sick that knife-happy little junkie on me. Watch yourself, laddie. Now, Jack, behave yourself. Sit down. For shame, Billy. I think you owe an apology to everybody in this room. And if you're half the gentleman I know you are, I'm sure you'll make it. We also have, uh, what was his name, Major Ross, who was the... Uh, He's think, just a loose cannon. <laughs> the loose cannon, I, I think, supposed to be sort of the... Uh, the the comic foil of the four crooks, perhaps. Except that uh, he's really enamored with Hitler and Mussolini, which makes you just... Mm, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I did you get the impression that all four of them, or at least two of them, are former Nazis? 
Well, I think he must have been. Pretty sure Peter Lorre's <laughs> character, Julius O'Hara. Oh, possibly. Aura. 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 I can't remember. <laughs> Billy, good morning. What's our wide-eyed Irish leprechaun doing outside my door? Why do you always make jokes about my name, huh? In Chile, the name of O'Hara is, is a tip-top name. Many Germans in Chile have become to be called O'Hara. <laughs> oh, there are lots of German O'Haras <laughs> or O'Haras. Right. I was very disappointed that actually Peter Lorre didn't have a larger part, only because I just I He's love fabulous. Peter Lorre. He's yeah. a fantastic actor, and this one, when he gets up into these uh, the later films, he kind of has this look of. I'm just doing this for a paycheck. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting. He is a person that never seems... It, it, it's he, he never seems to act. He's just sort he of just, his yeah, creepy he's just sort self. Of... <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've seen him in other films, and certainly his older, uh, his older films. I mean, he would die... He lives under 10 years, but he kind of retired... I guess he worked right up to his death. I'm sorry. I was, I was thinking he he retired earlier, but no, he, he worked right up to his death. Mm-hmm. But I've and seen he, a lot of his earlier works, and I think he does. He has some fantastic roles, uh, even though even though sometimes they're minor roles, mm-hmm. they're still like the very memorable. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I have a hard the time thinking of like in Secret Agent. Oh, such oh right, movie. yeah. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. We actually have, have seen a film with him that where he fear, uh, featured um, prominently. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you go back to you know Casablanca, where he's not in the film all that much, but it's a memorable role. And mm-hmm. then he you know he gets arrested. Rick, help me, Rick. You know you can't <laughs> you can't forget it. He's he's just he's the, the nasty little stool pigeon that you just and he's perfect in the part. He's just perfect in the part. Every mm-hmm. every time you see him, he's this guy that has this horrible horrible past, but you can't really hate him because he's he's almost too horrible to hate. <laughs> he's almost <laughs> too like I hate to use the word pathetic, but I mean p- pathetic in the moral sense. You know, he's, you just, you know that he knows everything he does is mean and evil and bad, but he's, he's not going to bring it up. So you shouldn't either. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it, or it's just, it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to kill him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, that's what happens to people like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> You shouldn't get yourself worked up over it. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. No, he's brilliant. But he has actually very few lines in the film, I think. You know, you just, I want more from Peter Lorre. Yes. And I think that comes down to the core, for me, the core problem of this movie. Mm. You have this movie. I I wrote it down. <laughs> I'm going to read what I wrote actually because I really so so what I wrote is this is a movie full of missed potential. Um, you have so I, I don't know if it does too much or if it does too little, but you've got all these different stories. You got the story of these two married couples that may or may not be conning one another, um, and and there's this just like potential for this this great drama to develop especially with these two women that are so different and these two men that have the potential to be so different all four of them are these really dynamic interesting characters but nothing kind of happens 
Right. And then you've got this, then you've got by himself, Chelm's character, who um, he he's, he could have been an early Hitchcock hero. I mean, he could have been the guy in Secret Agent. He could have been the man in the 39 Steps. I was he, just thinking the 39 yeah, Steps. Yeah, he's absolutely got this could upright mm-hmm. British character but then right when it seems that, you know, he's really truly in danger and something really interesting could happen and maybe the true action of the film is coming, he kind of disappears. He literally disappears. He literally disappears <laughs> for the rest of the movie. <laughs> and then you've got these four con men and they're like, the characters are like over dramatic, especially Ross. Um Colonel Ross, yeah. yeah, he's he goes from little, being little just, over the top. He yeah. Go, yeah, he goes from being like, oh, you know, Heil Hitler, to like, come on, I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, wait, what? Whoa, what? And and you have these guys that are plotting so hard and they're working so hard to build this, 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 a uh, you know, really sketchy plot that really is just buying some property. And they could have been at the level of Ocean's Eleven or Key Largo and been this really, especially with the people they cast, could have been this really intimidating, you know, evil and, you know, intelligent group. But they all just kind of collapse. And instead of having any great development or having like a strong moment of climax, the movie just kind of putters out. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of the the plot and the, the the grand scheme that I think gets a little lost too. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the whole idea is that they know that this land is rich with uranium, mm-hmm. but maybe they know and no one else does, and yeah. so they're trying to like they're trying to, to undercut the price, uh, undercut the price, mm-hmm. right? Somehow they found out about the uranium deposits, but the people selling the land don't know about it. And so that's why they're trying to get there. But the contact in Africa, they can't put a bid on it for another week anyway. And it, it, it all sounds just, like an incredibly boring real estate transaction really <laughs> it, it it honestly does it, and it's kind of like one of these things where you're wondering is like so what's all the deal with the secrecy you know they're they're hanging out in a town in a little villa in italy i'm guessing there's not a lot of people sitting around going what what's that hmm you know I... <laughs> did somebody say uranium really right. nobody cares it's like it's it's like you've got it's it's a, a little kids club where they're like no girls are allowed in our treehouse and the girls are like okay we don't care and that's the story right. is you've got this secret club of guys where it's they're like really worked up about it but really kind of nobody cares <laughs> yes <laughs> it's such a strange movie there's like I mentioned, I, I mentioned the suspicion that perhaps uh, uh, Ross killed somebody in England before he joins the rest of the yes, gang in yeah. Italy, and that's eventually their downfall. And you kind of think that, yeah, but had they not done that, there's a good chance that everything would have been fine. Needed, <laughs> it would have been just fine. I, I, I'm not even sure why. Why is them undercutting the price? I, 
would that have been illegal? I mean, I maybe I just don't understand, you know, British law of the 1950s uh, <laughs> or or something. I I don't I'm not sure why that would just be it it's kind of crummy, mm-hmm. but sounds kind of good businessy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't I know. It's kind of a thing, yeah. Well, and and it's it the the plot is put together sort of almost as this comedy of errors. Really, if you've seen the original Ocean's Eleven, you know there aren't a whole lot of parallels, but it does have a similar feeling to it, where people are going to these extremes to try and make things go their way, and then you kind of go, oh, well, okay, on to the next thing, I guess. <laughs> it, it it does huh. make me it. <laughs> It does make me think that the uh, novel might be a heck of a lot more interesting than the film. That is an interesting question. Well, because I think the novel is actually a straight-up drama. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it doesn't have these comedy elements. Mm-hmm. I think the comedy elements were put in by Houston and Capote. Yeah. And they kind of wrote the script kind of day by day. They kind of came up with ideas on on set. Like, okay, let's do this. Let's film this tomorrow. Hey, I wrote this scene. Let's do this tomorrow. And I, maybe that's where some of the disjointedness and sort of some of the why are they doing this mm-hmm. and why is this important, you know, comes into play because it was kind of like it wasn't a thing until just now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really good question. It, it was written as a straight thriller. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it, it, even I, I try trying to play this off as a spoof may have been the the real downfall of this movie because it is possible, but mm-hmm. it, it feels like at every turn there should be some real suspense, but then there's not, and so it just really fails to deliver. Yeah, I feel like it tries to keep its feet in both worlds. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, let's do this drama or this thriller, but let's do this comedy, but that doesn't commit enough to either one. Yes. Yes, exactly. If they had done this as an outright comedy, let's say, let's make this a zany, let's make this a funny thing happen on the way to the forum yeah, <laughs> or something. Yeah, like, uh, oh my gosh. the Absolutely would have worked. Three of a kind, where you've got these three different con groups really right? conning each other. And the result yeah. is hilarious. And in this... And I think that would have been like, great with this yeah. cast. And it feels like they, they're gonna, and then time and time again, you think, okay, now they're going to do it. They're going to zing each other, and then they don't. Or time and mm-hmm. time again, you think, okay, there's going to be a suspenseful moment, but no, they just you know directly attack the guy, and you see it happen. There's no question about what's happening at any point. There's no mystery at any point in the movie. Yeah, and so much of the, 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 the comedic elements that they try to pull up... Uh... Like they, they, the whole thing with the, uh, the, the women, oh, <laughs> the car. Well, yeah, the car, and then the women's reaction. Yes, they think they, they each think you know the their husbands are dead, or, or they, they both think um, that not husbands, but uh, they both think dead. Billy's dead, mm-hmm. and how they react isn't funny at all. <laughs> it's, the, it's it's the not bit terribly with the car funny. Is but, the funniest part, but it's only just mildly humorous. It's ironic, right. but. That their reaction, I think they could have made it funny. Yes, had they had they ramped it up. Yes, uh, and they don't. They just kind of keep it as, oh, whatever. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I loved him. Like mm-hmm, that's nice, dear. Hey, look, I found my water bottle. Yeah, like, yeah. Really, it, 
Yeah, it's Where's almost the... like if she had burst into tears in the middle of the room with all of the con men there, and you could have seen their reactions and played off each other, it would have potentially either been hilarious or truly tragic. But the only reference we get from them is saying, oh, yep, Maria sure looks good in black. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they start making they start making looks at Gina Lola Brigida. Yeah. It, it's like, oh, So yeah. you're single now, you're saying, right? Well, we're going to yeah, I think that the our business partner will help her because she looks good in black. Mm-hmm. What? Okay. But then and, and then within the next 5 minutes that all just dissipates cuz it doesn't matter anyway. It's it's just time and time again they build you up just to be like, "Oh, we're just kidding. That doesn't matter." <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, well, then why did you show it to me? So it's funny. I feel like I feel like it's super easy to tear this movie down because you have these characters that have so much potential to be interesting, but then they never become interesting. Yeah. I find it really interesting, too, that we f- look at this film and we seem to find more flaws than, than anything, and yet this is a kind of a film that a lot of critics kind of holding high esteem I wonder calling why. it like you know the first <laughs> camp film and thinking it was it's so much fun and like it's not really I just, and it's it's I, well, I'm missing it it, it, it is interesting because it's even even with as as much frustration as it created I don't hate the characters it's it, right, that's, it's, it's the one saving grace of it that every character in this movie has so much potential to be even even the um, the Arab uh, magistrate, he, mm-hmm. I would love to see a story about him. He's only in it for a couple of minutes, but I love that he's he's intelligent and he's on top of things, and then he just gets sucked in by Billy just like that. And mm-hmm. he's so potentially interesting, but then they just leave. And you're right. like, oh, I, I would have loved to. <laughs> I would love to see what happens to any of these characters. And you never see what happens to any of them. And, and the real letdown is the lack of closure with the characters. And I wonder if a lot of people and a lot of critics, you know, kind of hold this film a little higher than maybe it deserves because of this cast and because mm-hmm. of the, you know, John Huston and Truman Capote. Mm-hmm. It, 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 all these people, you don't want to say made a bad film mm-hmm. you know I, because it's kind of like these guys all of them are incredible yeah they're incredible actors they're incredible talents and, the, and they've done the incredible things potential there's loads Absolutely. of potential in the characters here and i and i said it wrong just a minute ago it's not that you don't get any closure with these characters the problem is you don't get any development with these characters and that's mm. the real the real sting there is because they're they are really great actors. There're lots of there's so much talent and there's talented writers, talented directors and actors of course obviously and you have the potential with these locations to have some amazing adventures and it all just falls flat. And it's the yes. development that's really lacking. So I think we've kind of gone through everything in in a in a way we've we've talked about all the characters <laughs> and while doing so we we talked about a lot of the plot and and the direction. Um and and the production it beautifully i mean it was it's one of these films it was beautifully shot mm-hmm. um the setting was fantastic i mean mm-hmm. they really are filming in some you know italian countryside and some small villas and it all is beautiful and it's i think it's well shot and it's well kind of guess well directed it's not poorly directed it's just poorly developed 
it's you know yeah. there's no yeah. there there's very little awkward acting if any the um there's not very much poorly written dialogue if any I, you know what <laughs> i i tell you what it is it, this is exactly how it feels and it it shows they were talking that they kind of wrote a lot of the script mm. on the fly, you know, mm-hmm. from day to day. It's like, you know what? That's exactly what this feels like. Mm-hmm. This feels like a, something that was filmed that needed to go through the editor one more time. Yeah. Yes. You know, it just it just needed a little bit of polish somewhere. Mm-hmm. It needed like a third party to like, OK, to ask this a is good. Yeah. Yeah. To say, well, why did they do that? Or why did she say that? Let's dump this little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's say, oh, okay. Let's well, why don't we show this him doing this with this other character just to kind of make it look like it. Maybe you know, keep the guessing going. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Anything well, like the moment where you've got, um, I I think it's Peter Lorre actually. Uh, O'Hara is overhears Billy talking to um, Gwen and her talking about something about the the uh the oh he had told them in the car the day before oh africa's this you know place that's just full of uranium and lots of untapped potential and he Mm -hmm. uh, no it's it's peterson that's listening in and he kind of gets wide-eyed and you have so many moments where if the dialogue had been overheard by somebody else it could have added a little bit more intrigue but instead you just kind of are handed everything matter-of-factly and it it just it needs that little bump. I think you're exactly right. It's like it needed another round through the editing. And maybe it was a matter of or, I mean, if writing. Houston was helping write, I think mm-hmm. yeah, it it maybe he was just a little too close to the source. You know, yes. this would have been better had this all been written and then they brought it to him all all done it in a package. And I think he could have done a better job with it. Yeah, it's um, he Lucas it. Dang it! Yes, he George Lucas it. <laughs> 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 Thanks for that, George. <laughs> you, you've helped f- film critics all over the world. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, there was one thing I wanted to mention about uh, just a little bit of trivia. I don't know if you saw this or not. Apparently, during production, um, Humphrey Bogart uh, was in an automobile accident oh. and lost several teeth. I didn't notice. Yeah, well, and apparently he was having a hard time kind of, um, kind of, he had to kind of relearn how to talk. He was, because, wow. so, you know, you suddenly don't have teeth in your mouth. I don't know if it was a matter of just missing teeth or they gave him some sort of like a denture or something mm-hmm. like that. But he was uh, having a hard time enunciating and saying his lines to the point where they were really bad. I mean, almost unintelligible, apparently. Huh. And they actually had someone come in and do a Humphrey Bogart impression like to dub over How yeah, to over, overlay. It's not now, something I noticed. I wonder though if that had some impact on the lines in the script. Potentially. It's certainly kind of one of these things where, well, you can't do any more cuts because the guy can't talk, you mm-hmm. know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we'll just have to go with what, we'll just have to go with this one. Mm-hmm. Now it's not been confirmed but the rumors and, and some of the things I read says that that may indeed have been Peter Peter Sellers that came in and did that. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. So I thought, oh, interesting. I, as far as I can tell, there's a lot of places that say, oh, it was him. And there's other people who's like, well, that's kind of um, maybe it was him. <laughs> you know, like no one, no one apparently can actually confirm it was a young Peter Sellers that came <laughs> in and, and dubbed his lines. 
that would be interesting to find. But I out. found that kind of interesting. It is. I, I I read that fact before I watched the film, and I was kind of watching the film, sort of like, and I was trying to listen and watch and and see if I could tell if you noticed, yeah. If if I could notice, and there was a few moments where I wouldn't say that I, I could tell that he was dubbed, but I could. There was moments where I'm thinking he does seem to. I don't know He's how the best way to put this. Yeah. Yes. Almost like, mm, that line seems a little wet, mm-hmm. you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like maybe there's a little, little, little extra, you know, effort in him mm-hmm. trying to say that line. Uh, <laughs> yes. I just wonder if that might've been the case. That is that interesting. Yeah. Well, and it, if you didn't know that and we're watching it, I can attest you would not catch it. Uh, probably a little bit because we're used to the later Humphrey Bogart, where he does sound kind of a little. Uh, I don't know how to how to say it generally. A little Me thick. Either. His his enunciation's mm. a little thick. Um, right. But but it's probably, talking through his teeth. I don't know. I, I. That's the humor behind casting Peter Falk as Sam Spade or Sam Diamond is his name. Is he does that Humphrey Bogart kind of. Mm-hmm. accent slash voice extremely well and it's so <laughs> recognizable that it, it, like you don't question it when you hear somebody that sounds like that you just know it's Humphrey Bogart right so it, that's yeah, interesting I was going to mention that too Humphrey Bogart's one of those actors that you can you could have never ever watched a Humphrey Bogart film and you know what his voice but you like. probably you probably do a bad Humphrey Bogart impression yep you know, just like Sean Connery, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> everybody exactly. can do it. <laughs> it may right. not sound right, but everybody knows in their head what it should sound yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, whether you've ever seen any of his films, you've probably still done a, you know, play it again, Sam. Yeah, you know, here's kind of looking thing. at you, yeah. sweetheart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody, he doesn't really sound like that. We, he, he doesn't. Yeah, exactly. But that's what we all think he sounds like. It's so funny. <laughs> So we should still rate the film. Yes. I have to admit, it's it's a little disappointing because it's got such an incredible cast. It's kind of one of these things where you want to say, oh, you need to see it just because of this cast. Mm-hmm. But you know what? This cast is, or at least some of this cast, has been in better films together. Yes. You know, the director, Humphrey Bogart, Peter Lorre, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of these guys, go, go watch The Maltese Falcon. Go watch... The Cheap Detective. Um, If you want to see a good (laughs) spoof of the Maltese Falcon, watch The Cheap Detective. You know, watch Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Don't, don't, you watch Clue. Don't waste your time on something where, if this movie had been truly, I think what this movie was supposed to be was a seemingly innocent British couple that comes in and without you expecting it, completely derails the plans of this truly evil group of people but right. they fail to make them actually innocent and they fail to make the, the con men actually evil and, and if they had taken that extra step and really given you I, I've tried I mean it, that usual suspects moment where everything comes together and you go oh my gosh I, I you know they, that knives out usual suspects all of those mm-hmm. you know memento with those big twists at the end where you go i did not see that coming but the problem is they keep hinting at it that right. you're gonna that there's a you know oh everybody is questionable in this 
Yeah, so. and that and this film almost has that kind of an ending, but it's played for laughs but instead it, of yeah, duh, yeah. It, literal laughs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like oh well, I mean, and and even even with that, it's a bit disappointing that Billy, who is obviously the character that that really can appreciate everything that happened wasn't a little bit more on point, wasn't a little bit more intelligent, didn't have something extra up his sleeve. So it's it's not a movie that you absolutely have to see or else you'll be, you know, shooting yourself in the foot because it just falls a little bit short. Right. But yeah, as I was saying, if you want to see the team up between Houston and Bogart or or or, or Laurie or anything, go go watch um, the Af- not the African Queen. Go watch the Maltese Falcon itself. Mm-hmm. You want to see a or good Casablanca. You, know, you want to see uh, uh, Houston and, and and Bogart. Go see the Treasure of Sierra Madre. Yes. Go see uh, Key Largo. Yes, uh, African <laughs> Queen is is one of my favorite Bogart films. Um, yeah, go go watch that instead. This I- one. I didn't realize this, but um, I'm so sorry. I'm struggling with names. But Truman Capote wrote um, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Did he? I had no idea. And so, yeah, I mean, another movie where you're kind of going like, I don't know that this is my favorite movie in the world, but I would argue much better writing probably than Beat the Devil. I, w- I would go as far as giving it maybe two Othels. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm right because there, it's, it, yeah. Yeah, if you're just curious to see these this group of people together, it's it's not you're not going to watch the film and regret watching it, but yeah. it's not one I would recommend. This not is, when there's so many better choices out yeah. there. Yeah. This is there's one group of people I absolutely would recommend watch this movie. And that is if you are actually a writer and no I'm not just throwing this out there as a as a dig to get you guys to set a 5 minute mystery but <laughs> <laughs> if you're a writer and you're just not finding any characters you want to write about this is great subject this is yeah. some really good fodder because there are characters in here who need to have a story written about them and this is not that story so if you're this is great for if you need some some good character fodder but beyond that, I, I'm with you on the two Othels. I don't think it's the star-studded cast with the sweeping vistas that you you know absolutely have to see or you're missing out on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Watch it. Yeah, if you're a film student or something, watch this as kind of a lesson of what not to do. Yes. Don't don't write your movie day by day yes. as you're filming it. <laughs> yes. Those, it, it seems like they try it from time to time. Hey, I've got this great new idea, and every time it fails. Right. This is just another example. You can have everything but a good script, and it won't work. Yep. All right, so I guess that will do it for Beat the Devil. That didn't go too bad, I thought. <laughs> it, it, was, it felt maybe a little scattershot. I think we could probably try to focus a little bit more, but it's actually a little bit more difficult than I than I thought yeah. about. Like, we'll oh, okay. I, yeah. I, well, no, I, I was like, okay, I, I want to let's just talk about the plot. But as you talk about the plot, you kind of, yeah, you have to talk about some of the characters, and then mm-hmm. that kind of falls into like, well, then you have to talk about the direction, or you have to talk about the script, and so mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is very difficult to try to. Uh, keep it really focused on one thing uh, but yeah you're right yes it, it does it, it makes it organic so yeah um, we'd love to hear your feedback on whether you like the kind of organic format which will probably really will clean up a little bit in post and then also you know get a little bit better at as time goes on 
Exactly. Uh, or if you would really rather just listen to our synopsis of the movie. You know, I, I was thinking <laughs> as we were discussing it, like this is really kind of our final thoughts just kind of stretched out a little bit <laughs> what it, we normally do. It kind of is. It's a little <laughs> fun to me because we, you know, of course you and I have both seen the movie more than once. And so to go back through it a third time explaining it to everybody step by step, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, slogging through, getting through that part so that we can talk about the fun stuff. So mm-hmm. this is a little bit fun being able to just, let's just jump right onto the fun stuff. Exactly. <laughs> right. No, I, I actually really enjoyed this. I think it went well and we, uh, we still got a good full episode out of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> not, not at all sorry. We're not at a 15 minute mark, guys, in case you're checking your watches. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not at all sorry. So yeah, and uh, so yeah, any feedback? If you guys you know like this, you enjoyed you know having Lydia and I just literally having a good time talking about a film, <laughs> um, that, that please let us know. Or you know if you missed the synopsis, not sure why, honestly. But <laughs> I, we want to know. Let us know. We want your feedback. <laughs> yeah. Think of an idea for your five minute mystery. Uh, see see about it. You know, try just putting some. Just start sitting in front of the computer and start typing or, or put it on the pad of paper and start writing or something, seeing what you come up with. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we won't end up with anything. Um, but hopefully hopefully we'll get something from somebody. It'll be fun. And if, you know, it doesn't look like we're going to get anybody, I'll I'll write one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it Deet the Bevel. Those are all words, by the way. Deet, deet the Bevel? Yeah, Deet. Sure. It's a deet. bug spray. Bevel. Oh, deep. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Right. Now it's getting getting a little weird. All right. So, Lydia, thanks very much. This has been fun. I again, I'm sorry for the 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 last minute change, but uh, I'm I'm glad it it went pretty well, and we're able to kind of um, get everything out that we wanted to talk about. It's always a pleasure. (laughs) And uh, I had a great time. So we'll be back in another month with another film, and we'll try this again. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.